We are not heroes, nor are we villains. Neither kings nor magicians, but we can tell you their stories. We are the lore keepers, and we welcome you to Halloween. Welcome to Halume. You are listening to Lore Keepers, a lore-building podcast where we talk about aeons of history, heroes, and villains, and the forces that whirl about it all. I'm Carter. And I'm Frank. And whether you're interested in stories, looking for inspiration in your own world-building, or perhaps you want to participate, we've got something for you. This week we're talking about cyberpunk. But first, Frank... How are you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. I'm a little perturbed by my current internet situation, but the weather is nice. It's nice and sunny. Temperature's not too hot. I'm going to go away for the weekend. I'm going to Ann Arbor for a little while, which is going to be nice for Labor Day. Ooh, that sounds lovely. Yeah, I mean, I've never been there before, so it should be fun, I think. I've heard there's a lot of bookstores and coffee shops. I mean, yeah, Ann Arbor's college town. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not exactly, you know, downtown Manhattan, but as, a, as opposed to not downtown, you know, like suburban Manhattan, as opposed to suburban Manhattan. But it should be fun. Yeah, I actually intend to send my um, send an application there to their grad school. Oh, really? Yeah. It's um, got an excellent ethics program. Wow. Then I actually could be seeing you there, because I'm, I'm, I mean, <laughs> that's funny, dude. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, what if I... If I fucking get in, it's a really fucking competitive program. Is it? Yes. Dude, what about you? How are you doing? I'm well, I'm well. I'm just, you know, excited for the long weekend. I've actually planned a little poker night with some of my friends. We're all going to dress up, you know, fucking suits, dresses, and play some poker. Oh, dude, that sounds awesome. Do you do that, like, regularly? Is that kind of a thing? Because I feel like I've heard you talk about something like that before. You see, whenever we hang out, we call it poker night. Because sometimes we play poker, sometimes we don't. But I'm like, listen... This time, it's going to be a night of poker, and there's an <laughs> optional dress code, and the dress code is nice. That sounds... <laughs> and everyone sounds was fun. like, yeah, everyone was like, hell yes. Yeah, you got to have this. I remember one time we had a night where we went to this, like, totally trashy diner that's been around for 100 years, but we brought our own tablecloth and all dressed up and, like, put down candles and stuff. It was it was pretty absurd, but it was a good time. Sound, sounds You kind of got to have those nights where you dress up, you know? Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I, I've I got all these clothes. And I'm like, well, I only wear the ones that I can wear in the heat, which is, you know, linen and T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to have time and place for uh, for this fancier stuff. Exactly, because, you know, I can't actually wear anything else outside. It, only, only in my apartment. <laughs> or, you know, if it's yeah. a short drive and then... To another apartment. Yeah, and you're in AC the whole time. Exactly. It has to be in AC the whole time, because if you step outside in a suit, you just die. Yeah, you just and you get drenched in sweat. And exactly. then you've ruined the suit and your evening. Exactly. So that's how I am. I'm <laughs> excited about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it but, should be fun. But Frank, 
before we get into whatever madness this will devolve into, (laughs) tell me something that you think is cool that is somehow Hazume related. Noteworthy, but not necessarily episode worthy. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to introduce you to a kind of a moment of inspiration I had yesterday morning. So I don't know if you've heard of the site TV Tropes. I have not. It's a it's a fun site where basically they catalog and keep track of all of the rep- repetitive tropes that you see in TV and movies and comic books, etc. over and over and over again. So I will and they have a random trope button. And so I will occasionally pull that up, press it three times and take those ideas and try and figure out how I can incorporate them into Halime as one concept. So it's like a mixer. Yeah, I get it. It's kind of like how I go read Lord of the Rings and then have good ideas, except it's much less less predictable. Yes, yeah. Well, okay, so I did it recently, and I took, what were the three ideas? Your vampires suck, God in human form, and pop revival were the three ideas. And I was like, how the hell do I combine those? We've already got two of those. Right. Well, so what I actually came up with was the thought was, how do vampires survive in the modern day was the idea. The vampires of the past no longer work. They're no longer tenable in the current culture. Nobody will tolerate, you know, an empire of vampires or anything like that. The Shrouded Empire, which if you're curious, you can check out episode two about what that is all about. And then God in human form was, okay, so here's what we got. We got a vampire god created by the beliefs of vampires, the queen of all vampires or something like that, comes down in vampire form and teaches them how to Disney. And can I, can I make a little suggestion? Yeah. I mean, Lord, I mean, I think, I think maybe, maybe there should be a little Grim Thing in there. Who's Grim Thing? I mean that name really rings a bell. I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's because of Lord Talanos Grim thing we made. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. I I was thinking of Grim Fang from World of Warcraft for a little bit there. But I mean also the house Grim thing, right? Yeah, yes. No, I mean there definitely could be something to do with uh house Grim Fang in there. I think my thought was so where I was drawing this from was the reason why Disney we allow Disney to get away with all of its shit being a mega corporation is basically because we trust them with our IPs. They promise to do justice. They promise to do good by Fox and Disney or, you know, Fox and Star Wars and fucking, you know, Marvel Um. and all of it, you know, and so it's like we as a public are like, well, you can be a giant faceless corporation, but it's okay because you're woke because you made Black Uh, Panther. I think I think it's kind of just something like we don't have a choice. I mean, yeah, that's definitely a part of it. But I think, you know, they they are not seen the same way. You know, Disney has a lot more people fighting to to to, to support them than ExxonMobil does. Also, but also fun fact about Black Panther, great movie, right? Yeah, I think so. Not everyone shares that opinion, especially those in the South that see it as a liberal agenda piece of inserting black people into movies well precisely a lot of people have said that that's like 
a whole Disney thing. Yeah, I know. And I got, there's just so many people who are just like, you know, it's just, why were there just a bunch of black, there not, weren't enough white people in movies. I'm like, God damn it. Some people just don't understand <laughs> how things work. Like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Um, Welcome to the South. Anyways, the way that that, yeah, right. Like the, the way that that, I was thinking that that manifest though, is basically that we've, we've talked before about the Avaril, uh, especially in episode 15. If you're curious about what that is, but the elven sort of mental culture, uh, sort of heritage of shared stories and things. And so I was thinking maybe in a less literal way than Disney, but elves, because of their long bloodlines, and they might actually make some of the greatest storytellers or regalers that, you know, or even historians that that exist. Absolutely. Meaning if they somehow figured out a way to monetize that or or establish it as some sort of you know, valuable position in the, you know, in the current age or ages where they aren't running vampire empires, you know, perhaps they could, you know, survive, especially if it's not the Avaril. I'm thinking vampires have their own special version of that. That's kind of more dark and twisted. Okay, I dig it. Anyways, so like, I feel like there's a few things there we can pull some strings on in the future, but... I've been talking for long enough about my ideas. Did yes. you come with anything to the table? You got uh, you got any cool stuff? I, I actually got a, a double feature. Today. Oh, yeah? Yes. One's, one's small and one big, so. All right, we'll drop both of them. All right, a uh, big one comes first. Actually, small one first, so the big one looks bigger. If we were a comedy podcast, that would be the name of the uh, episode. There you go. So the small one is, you know how I you know brought that idea up about like monsters? Right, getting a little oh, monster, a monster roll table. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that's still in the works. However, I have come up with a few monsters I'd like to see that we could talk about later. Oh yeah. Yes, I will give you their names. Okay. So first, I'd like to like really flesh out like what uh, dusks are to the dawns, right? And the dawns being solars, right? Get it. Hello. Get it? Cause flesh, flesh out like it's a mon- uh, like monster. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't even like. Oof. That wasn't even close to good. Damn. Yeah, wow. Low hanging. Cut Anyways. that, Frank. Frank in the future. <clears throat> cut, just cut that. Just cut. Cut all this. <laughs> no, Carter. That's that's the kind of stuff I'm going to keep. All right. Um. um no. What's your? Yeah. 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 So. Uh. Th- there's more. Dusks for sure. Yes. Um remnants of the nameless uh now you've mentioned the 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 whispers of the nameless before is this associated with them um if the whispers ever came into contact with the remnants they would definitely worship them and maybe they have but a remnant of the nameless is kind of like a fragment of what the nameless kind of what you might think he is kind of like like a shadowy weird think of it like that way i came up with it was like okay so what does morgoth morgoth is the big bad from lord of the rings and he had um lesser angels to serve him that he had also like persuaded to leave the the gods and so i'm like well the nameless one probably did something similar because we have the choir right and those were very powerful entities that left so I'm like, well, where did these guys go? And the answer might be is that they might have ended up at Siddhar somewhere. Hmm. And they may also be in the absentium. But and now I'm calling these remnants of the Nameless for now because there's, you know, 
they're kind of almost like a part of him in this strange way. Interesting. Okay. The remnants yeah, of no. an axe for sure in that way. We can for sure explore that. Dude, we got to get this. I'm I'm going to contract you to set up that monster roll table, yep. man. You I'll I'll have the gods, but you make those monsters and, and, and we'll start rolling them. Imagine that but this is basically like uh kind of like a Balrog. Okay. Yeah, I was I was wondering because the I was curious to see what your interpretation of that would be because the nameless one is basically the arch eldritch the the ur presence of eldritch abominations all, all aberrations come from the howling void which is where the nameless one resides so anything that is a manifestation of that i was kind of i was picturing as like elder gods but you're saying that's more of a like a giant arch demon yes but and th- don't think of it as like the film portrayed it right i'm going to i'm going to give you i'm going to give you some like an idea of what Tolkien actually meant. Oh yeah, you gonna you got a little little something excerpt prepared? I don't have an exact word for word excerpt prepared, but I can go get one. No, no, that's okay. I was just curious as to you and your leanings of Tolkien tend to go in that way, so I was curious to see if that's yes. what you were saying. It's a good idea. It would have been a good idea, but I wasn't that prepared. So basically, <laughs> I've listened to this passage because I have it on audiobook as well, because of course several several like at least a dozen times today because i'm just like this is such a good passage it was right before gandalf fought the balrog on the bridge mm-hmm. in Doom, and it describes him as a shadow kind of of man shape but right it's you don't see like this huge minotaur skull with fucking oh, yeah. giant horns no <laughs> doesn't sound like that at all <laughs> yeah it is a shadow that you can't see like, you cannot see what it is. It's just blackness that's darker than everything else. Wow. And flame, like, wreathes around it as it steps over this flaming, like, chasm. Oh, that's so much more evocative. Yeah, and it has this sword that's also, like, flaming lava that Gandalf breaks with a parry. And, of course, like a flaming whip. But when it's, he's actually facing off against Gandalf, Gandalf's, like, power as he's, like, battling with, with the wills actually causes it to like just become more shadow like the fire like strips mm. off of it see that's mm, we'll, we'll have we're, we gotta we gotta switch streams here in a sec but this is one of the things that i really appreciate about that kind of that when you get truly strange fantasy like that description doesn't fit in with just about any other there's a strangeness about it, and even the way that it's described that is different than just about any other source. It's not Eldritch, you know? In Eldritch, they don't talk about things that way. It's more about, you know, Lovecraft was all about broken geometry or the dead coming back to life or demons spelled A-E or whatever. Like, you know, his stuff has actually been very heavily codified, but I try to imagine what it was like to first have heard his stuff or first have read his stuff or discover that back before it became like this pop culture thing. And to imagine how different and strange it all felt, you know, Carcosa and and, you know, the idea of a Cthulhu-esque, you know, creature. It's just so far beyond the way that we typically interpret fantasy or or horror for that matter. Yes. Dude, I I like that idea. Man, we got to get that roll table up and going. Maybe we'll do that next week or something. Yes. Uh, no promises. With with these, with these, you know, these are special ones that I've cooked up that are 
Right, the roll table's for more mundane stuff. Oh, you're saying like a focus episode. Well, you know, I'm saying we like... know what we're getting into. Yeah, I'm saying like a roll table for stuff that's like... We, that we could produce some interesting stuff, but this kind of stuff is like going to be linked to important things. Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree, especially Dusks. Yes, absolutely, because there's, there's not many of them at all. Yeah. Um, but my big thing, which I'll, I'll make quick, because I just want to plan a new... Oh, that was the little thing? That was a little thing. Oh, damn. Okay, yeah. What's the big thing? Lay it on me. So, back in ancient Greece, uh, history was told by oral tradition. We're talking Dark Ages Greece, so past the Bronze Age. Okay. And these bards would go You're like around, Hellenistic? Uh, before Hellenistic. Pre-Hellenistic, pre-classical. Yeah. Yeah. It's between Way classical and um, Troy. Okay. So basically, these epic stories were told, you know, book by book, never in a full sitting, because it would mm-hmm. take like a day. Literally, it would literally like take 24 hours to recite it. Sure. And they were told by bards who memorized them, but they didn't memorize them line by line. And then memorize them word by word. They memorized them just the important events, and then they kind of hmm. free-flowed around the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And they would use certain, like, mnemonic devices to remember things. Like, you know, Zeus would be cloud-gathering Zeus, and Hera would be, you know, like, cow-eyed Hera or something, right? Sure, things that cue in a specific trait of them that they're trying to bring forward. Yeah, or like Rosy Finger Dawn was a really popular one. It's because basically how the Greek worked with like the the type of um meter that the home the epics use, but in any case, like think think of this idea, right? This like oral tradition mm-hmm. that's kind of very free form but keeps yeah. the major stuff in and apply that to like wandering elven bards that talk about the Avril. Dude, we need to do that. God, I don't know how to codify that beyond like maybe even just making stories, like making some myths and things that they talk about. But I'm so engaged by what is the actual culture of that? Like getting into the gritty, creating. I might just have to write one out or something. or Maybe you should and I'll narrate it or you'll narrate it or something. It's been a while since we did a story at the beginning of an episode anyways. And this is like super ancient tradition because right yeah this kind of thing gets a little harder to do when everything's written down because right. now you can't be as freeform because right you can point to the book and say no that's not how the story goes look at the book but as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks i think that having written form at least for some aspects of elven society may not have even been that great of a need or a desire because typically technology advances as is necessary for people or at least i would i i think that's a fairly safe principle to you know balance it on but for the elves you know they would never need to write down their myths or legends that because would be kind history. of a strange thing. exactly mm-hmm. because it's they dream it every night and i think that because some people dream similar dreams right about certain the same kinds of people mm-hmm. that, but some might see more clearly or some might be more muddled and some have different opinions and ideas they might see things differently so there might be different accounts right, right exactly so it's never right set in stone in this way. But unfortunately, that is not what we're talking about tonight. Uh, yep. But we'll ha- definitely have to come back to that sometime soon, because that's a really intriguing idea to me, man. Yep. Thanks, you know, my my miss of the ancient Greeks class. Oh, yeah. You and I both, we, we both are, we both appreciate the uh, classics, the old literature, myths, lore, legends. Yes. And speaking of literature and myths and legends... 
Tell me about cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was smooth. That was a whiskey yeah. smooth. I don't think that the people even realized you were doing a segue. That was very good. Yep. Well, <clears throat> cyberpunk. <clears throat> yes, thing? but cyberpunk. Okay, so this week. I, I think I sent you a link to it. I can't remember, but the Cyberpunk 2077 demo came out. It was about 44 minutes of pure, awesome content. Did you yes, see that? I, I did not see all 44 minutes, but I saw a bit, and it's very Shadowrun-y. I do love Shadowrun. Yes. So. Yeah, okay. So I have always been appreciative of... I, I read... I finally like got out and read Neuromancer... You know, in the last couple of years, uh, which is a great, great book. I've always appreciated Shadowrun and the feel of it. And it's just cyberpunk is so it's bleeding cool. You know, it's just it's all about the cool, like cool to a point where it's, you know, some books are, are, you know, pieces are straight up. The people use cool like a currency. Yep. I mean, even when I was a kid, I I loved Blade Runner, although Blade Runner is kind of more future noir. You still get some of those adjacent feels to it. Sure. Seeing all of that and getting re-inspired by it, I revisited a question that I occasionally touch on when thinking about Helme, which is, how do I get this specific genre of sci-fi fantasy into, into this story? It's one of the reasons why when we talk about Helme, we have so many different eras of time. Avum Tertius is very high fantasy. Everything's very epic. Everything is very full of magic and lords and ladies. Avum Quartus is all about commercialism and is more representative of like the modern day capitalism is something that is rapidly overtaking the world you quintus changing. you say quintus oh sorry avon quintus yeah even quartus is the slavery one <laughs> yeah avon quartus is not a great time um avon quartus is about um the dominance glo- of the elves <laughs> global and planar conflict things that are escalating and escalating and it's supposed to kind of lean into the same feel of um the 20th century and you know how world war one and world war two escalated and things yeah and we get we get a little bit of like the fall of the Roman empire in there too right yeah you see there so there's a there's a, a there's a, a few different feels to that and avum avum secunda is uh you know it's conan the barbarian yeah. even that exists in it so my thought has always been how do i include these different things but the, so the thing is is you can't really just drop cyberpunk in because you know, what are we going to put the internet in and have people on computers and hackers all of a sudden now is very, very strong. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So here's what I was thinking. The thing is, is I don't, I don't think that we lose anything though, by, by, I, I started to think about it a different way. What is it that people like about cyberpunk? What's attractive about it? And to name a few things, there's the neon, there's the the fluorescent colorings of everything, there's the dirtiness of it, there's Chrome. the sort of grungy city life, there's the lingo, there's the, you know, everything is about, like, coming up with, you know, really cool-sounding names for stuff, and there's gang warfare and big corporations and Matrix stuff. hackers. Exactly, yes, and hacking is a really big part of it. You know, running merc jobs where you're working with a team to steal stuff, but more specifically, it's data chips, or it's something about, yeah, working with the, uh, you know, working with the VR or a rig, or you're a, what do they call it, a something cowboy? I can't remember what they call a code cowboy. Something. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember. It's Neuromancer stuff. But the point is, is all of those those features, those aspects of 
cyberpunk don't actually have a lot to do with our modern world. Yes, they can be represented in that, and that's a way to manifest those things, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily tied down to that. So my thinking is, what is more cyberpunk than hacking that shit, like taking it all piecemeal and shoving it onto uh, Halume? So here's the idea. Somewhere in the near future, somewhere in the next couple hundred years, let me, let me take one step back. We know that Avon Prima is a time where all of these incredibly advanced artifacts were used on the reg. They were very frequent. It was a time of great prosperity for all of the world, right? Yes, it was incredibly techno-magic. Yeah, there was, it was just magic was just on a whole other level. What if somebody recovered an artifact somewhere in the next few hundred years, maybe it's an Avum Senio, maybe not, and this artifact, it lies null and, and inert for a long time, and then all of a sudden, either because somebody did something to it, or because it just activated of its own accord, it changes the fabric of an entire city. Maybe it's not... And this is this is where some of the question marks come up, and we can definitely let's start talking about these pins, but I'll finish kind of laying out the mat here first. So here's some of the thoughts. One, some this artifact activates, and maybe what it does, this, this is kind of my first rough thought, is it somehow connects to every other thing that is enchanted or magical in a hundred mile radius and turns it into this sort of like framework some it, it changes the way that the magic works in the nearby area permanently i was thinking of we if we want an internet or vr analog something that people can jack into you know something where if you're doing a job you want to be able to kind of wire yourself in what if we used locus first of all which um for the listener locus is basically the the it's sort of a demi plane or a pseudo plane that lies on top of reality that magic flows through so when magic is flowing along the landscape, it's actually flowing through Locus. So maybe it changes something, and now all of a sudden, all things within the city are wired up. And so this is this cataclysmic event. But as people start to recover, and you know maybe there's some serious havoc that's created, it's like explosions go off or whatever. It's not city-destroying, but it's enough that it takes a urban center, a capital city or something like that, of several hundred thousand people and permanently changes all of the magic behavior in it forever. And then people start to poke at it. And, you know, as they investigate what it is, they realize it's a way of, like, basically stepping into Locus or, you know, interacting with it in a way that is very akin to the Internet. You can retrieve information off of it. You can store information on it. You can sort of plug things in. It, it would be as though somebody was able to bring an object into a downtown area and all of a sudden turn it on and every single thing that runs on electricity now serves that object. But that object doesn't just exist in one place, it becomes decentralized, you know, and it just changes the way things work forever. So who knows what this artifact is for, but already I feel like that gives, there's there's all of these different story threads we can pull on of the why and the implications of maybe somebody's trying to control that. Maybe there's tons of different people that try to control it. But whatever it is, people figure out how to make tons of money off of it, right? And you start getting corporations, and you start getting people who are living in kind of the grungy underbelly. But they, regardless of what it is, they figure out ways of hacking into this shit and, and, and starting to make it work for them. Yeah, yeah, this could work, right? The people that were originally there and figured out 
start making money off it because they've, you know, they've got, they're in the know and they've got their hands on it. And then people flock to this, right? Because they're like, what is going on? What is it? What are these stories that are coming out of here? People desperate for, you know, jobs or whatever, right? Just, you know, excitement, right? Adventurers, whatever, come here and they become the underbelly. They, right, they build it up from just a sheer number of people that aren't that wealthy. They just flood in. Exactly. And you have like, you have some of the older people who are still living in this city, you know, who are, you know, they're like, hey, I survived the blast or whatever that event is called. And they're like, I've been around for a long time and I know how this stuff works. And like, I know things that ain't nobody else going to tell you about. And I think I came up with a, a name for it. Shoot. So we've got binders, weavers, and conductors, right? We've talked about them in b- before. It's sort of the three main ways that people approach magic. Yes. What if this is called the lace? Yep. I'm it's dead. a working title, but I thought that that would be a kind of cool like way of, you know, you talk about the lace. You know, you're working with this uh, the lace. It's this idea that it's this intricate, repeatable pattern that exists in the environment. And if you just have the right tools, you can start to poke it a little bit and work it around. You can make strange things happen with magic that doesn't work anywhere else. People start creating interfaces, standardization. You know, people have, you know, little devices where they can, you know, plug it. And so it's still like very magic infused. Everything about this is magic, but it's a magic that works on a level of consistency, like programming or technology. But everything has to be extremely physical because it needs to be able to literally interface with the lace. Yep. And then so part of it is, is we're going to have to come up with a lot of like little like lingo terms. Like, what do you call a person who spends a lot of time in locus interacting with, you know, the the magical barriers that people put up to protect their information? You know, they, they've got to come and uh, come up with a name. I was thinking lasers, but I feel like, yeah, that's OK. I feel like there's a better one for that than that. I mean, you could go more the like, try to avoid, you know, avoiding weavers. You could go for something like spinsters or something like that. <laughs> spinsters. That's a great one. Yeah. It's corny enough to work. Yeah, well, exactly. It has to be a kind of a little bad, you know, like when you think about uh, street samurai. It's pretty bad. So it's pretty, it's pretty corny. Like that's pretty bad. But it's that's kind of the the feel of it, too, is it's like, yeah, it's grungy. It's shitty. It's like it's a it's a bad name. Even the name is a failure. Exactly. So, okay, so what are some of the things we can do with this now? We have this premise, but I feel like there's so many different places we could kind of start. And and there's a lot that we're going to need to build out with this idea. Yes. I don't know. Does anything stick out to you about, like, what to make of this? It's pretty raw. It's probably more raw than I think just about anything else that we've tried to bring to the show. It definitely is. So I think maybe a good way to start is be like, okay, so we've got the kind of basics down, right? There's going to be an underbelly. There's going to be some big, bad corporations. There's going to be people fighting against them, right? Mm -hmm. And there's going to be this lace coming out of, you know, magic object number 20203. (laughs) Yeah. So what else do we want in there, right? Think of, right, watch that 44-minute cyberpunk video back <laughs> in your mind in the yeah. next few seconds. And what that's, what is in there that you want to throw at this? Well, there's a couple of things that pop right up. First of all, I think we need vehicles of some sort. I think to truly emulate the feel of a city, you got to be able to have car chases or 
high speed, you know, everything about it is not necessarily high octane in the same way that Mad Max is, you know, that's a different feel. It's, it's more feral. This is more like, I mean, there is sort of that feral feel to it, but it's more like attitude than it is feral. You know, it's like I'm socially feral versus I'm physically feral. And so I think, I think some sort of vehicle we want, we want to be able to create some vehicles that either run on the lace or interface with it. Maybe they don't work on the lace at all. Maybe it's just a result of some other innovation. Because it, I don't think it'd be bad to have a couple of really good premises that almost feel like they're working independent of each other and are well, big I mean, enough to be on their own. I mean, the lace could have given, right, the ability for people to share information so well and could have right, given way to new uh, ways of thought, given what it is and study of the artifact. It could have brought about, you know, new enchantments or new ways of channeling arcane energy to enable something like a magic car. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like even just creating some sort of uh, arcane engine. Um, it would definitely be a lot easier to do that if everybody can share schematics with each other. And, you know, there's there's sort of that idea. Secondly, we definitely, well, I don't even know if that's secondly, whatever. Next thing, uh, something else, cybernetics. We definitely want some sort of physical limb replacement becomes in vogue. It's It's common for people to create that stuff. Maybe it's because it runs off of the lace or maybe it's because... I mean, that stuff, to some extent, kind of already exists. You already have artificers. You already have people who are exploring that. But the idea of body mods, I think, is just too tasty to pass up. I, that's always been a thing that shows up in, in, in... I think it enables people that aren't spellcasters to interact with lace. Oh, shit! Yeah! Exactly! Not everybody's a programmer, but we all have iPhones, you know? Yep. This idea of uh, like yes, if you don't if you don't interact with the lace on some level where you're a magician, but you still want to hook into it, you gotta have at least something to interface, and so then that creates a culture of saying, well, it's pretty normal for people to uh, maybe replace a finger or replace just even a thumbnail or you know a little chip in their forehead or something like that that allows them to start to work with the you know work with the lace and share information about things. And then you get, oh, dude, I just love this idea of imagine storing a packet of something in Locus. You know, you have just like a little packet of it's almost like written docs or something like that. But you have them all folded up or crumpled into a ball and throw them into a corner of of Locus in some back alley. And so in order to retrieve that, you know, you have an informant show up at a specific time of the night. And it's set to kind of appear only then. And they just pull it out of a trash bin in Locus or something like that. Or even it's just, I don't know. Anyways, that was a a ramble. But okay, so cybernetics for sure. Which again, we can do that hand in hand with, right? Locus in that way, spinsters can have a thing with cybernetics in the same kind of way that that's cybernetics. And I think we can also go along the lines of the like arcane engine idea. Yeah, have, right. Artificial muscle and that kind of thing be another innovation, right? <sighs> okay. Hey, I had an idea. Go for it. I think there could be a, a category of lingo that refers to spiders. You know, the idea of spiders crawling along, yeah, especially with the idea of lace or something. You know, something you've got. You've got. Oh, she's a. You know, she's a black widow, or that's a. You know, that's a daddy long. I know that's not actually a spider, but like that's a daddy long legs. Or people don't know if it's a spider or not in Halloween. <laughs> Yeah, Wait, and Hallow made a goddamn spider. Boom! I've done it. It's canon. Yeah, there you go. Bam! It's canon. 
uh, you know, you got crawlers. You got, you know, I don't know, other words for spiders. You know, something that crawls along a web. You know, oh, yeah. the, he's a crawler or something. That's a dumb way of putting that, but... Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so yeah, you got the cybernet. Um, sorry, I totally... What were you were you were just talking about something I got completely off track? Um, spinster, because I mean, you said the word spinster, and I was like, just run with it. Since we're already off track, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna put this here. I don't. I know that there might be some seals regarding the Drakenfall that I don't know about. Okay, but I'm just gonna say that the dragons could come back to this. The dragons could come back. That might be interesting. That. So are you thinking there might be a dragon or two in this city? I mean, fucking all I know is that if I fucking see a dragon with like, I don't know, some chrome, I'm just going to lose my shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I think, a thing in not Netrunner. What's it called? Shadowrun. Shadowrun. Shadowrun, There is a dragon. Goddamn dragons that, yeah, that that literally are president or whatever. Yeah, the, the president of the United like states of Canada and the U.S., United States of American Canada is a dragon or was a dragon for some time. <laughs> so, okay, here's here's another thing. We definitely need some big figures. I'm thinking probably there's got to be some gnomes up there that are either crime bosses or heads of corporations that are basically crime bosses. Oh, yes, like fucking innovators. I'm going to fucking, again, fucking canon it right now. There is a, a nim. That's a female gnome, right? Mm-hmm. There is a nim who is like an incredibly badass name who is known as the Black Widow, who is a hacker. Oh, shit. And who leads a like solely feminine gang of hackers. Oh, that's cool. All of them get, uh, you know what? The way they're, they're, they're netics or whatever you want to call them. I don't know. We have to come up with a word needle and thread something to something that's easy to say that's like one or two syllables and sounds cool it sounds like you get in cockney rhyming slang needle and thread like apples and pears i don't know yeah so obviously not that but something yeah. cool that's like them jacking in i think that their way of accessing locus is they all get tattoos of like a, a, a spider like across their back or something like that but this the the tattoo ink is laced with a specific catalyst that allows them to wire into locus all the time maybe they even have extra legs or something that they have that fold up into that tattoo or something yeah i mean we already we already have right magic ink so it's not too much of a big deal yeah um we should probably narrow in on one or two things though now like because man what you know let's figure this out how how did the vehicles come about let's start with that um like are we just talking straight up they got four wheels and they're a car are there any flying things that like hover and float i think we've got some like weird helicopter like things but they're not like actually helicopters if you understand me kind of like a thopter from magic the gathering yeah it's kind of like a thopter okay and then we've got like probably like really weird three-wheeled cars and kind of probably like train cars which are like you know kind of like think like centipede but wheels i kind of wonder if maybe maybe what it is is that the the one underlying thing is that maybe none of them actually drive on the ground some of them maybe a lot of them hover but i think that there's something about here's my thinking what's up fantasy seems to 
lose a fair amount of its identifiers, sort of the visual marks that you make it to be like, oh, this is still fantasy the moment that you put wheels on something. Now, obviously, there's example. Yeah, there's obviously exemptions like catapults, carts, siege weaponry and stuff. Uh, but any time that that wheel starts to look like it's not being made out of wood, but rather metal or something else, it starts to kind of question how much it's actually fantasy. So what if we one of the underlying visual cues about all of these uh, vehicles is that very few of them actually have any wheels on them? You okay. know, if you if you have like a car like object or something that is <laughs> a car, you know, also known as a vehicle. <laughs> if you have a vehicle, maybe one of the core identifiers is that it's it's more like a sled. You know, it's like a floating sled. It maybe only floats a few inches off the ground, but it kind of makes a buzzing sound or something as it moves. And it, it has like cool lights or something that. You know, you got under lights that are a result of the few, like the the power coming off of them because they're floating. God, I'm just now I've just got this image in my head of this like fucking shitty looking peasant farmer with like a metal arm and like a shitty wooden cart with fucking like purple neons that is floating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like obviously there's a level at which it's. I think these vehicles are only affordable for people who are moderately successful. Not, not insanely the, not successful. Farmer Jeremy with his fucking potato crop. Sure. But like, exactly. But like, you're still going to need, if you're a merc, you're probably still going to need a getaway vehicle. So we we would ca- need to call it like uh, at, at, a, at a point where it's well, probably most of your investment goes into that. You probably put more money into that thing than you do into your hovel, your little Well, what about... Because then you get what, gearheads too, you know. What about like arcane, arcane engine metal horses? Literally horses. Yeah, they're literally like metal mm. automaton horses that you know, like got veins of arcane energy that like glow. Gotta be honest with you, man. I'm not feeling the style. Okay, all right. You no, know, that's not a no. You just gotta convince me. Well, no. I mean, I'm just trying to. I don't particularly like it either. But you want me to keep it in fantasy. It can't have fucking wheels, so give it hooves. <laughs> maybe okay well you know maybe i spoke too early maybe i can have wheels all right if you want a fucking magic pig then sit on a fucking pig (laughs) yes now that one i like you're right right. we should have a city full of 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 metal pigs there you go but okay now now what do we call these vehicles are they called sleds Um, i think there's a cooler name than a sled they're not a car you know again we need to differentiate that from actual cyberpunk uh, they're probably named after the inventor yeah yes yeah probably so i don't know what that would be then is that is that where the word car comes from is somebody's name was like um, car probably not automobile you know that's a different thing i don't know where it comes from who knows maybe it comes from like carriage or car you know carriage car you know comes from i trains. was thinking i was thinking along the lines of ford right yeah ford was so a guy's name the thing is, is let's just be honest. Let's, cards on the table. It was a gnome that came up with this, right? It's probably yeah. a gnome. Yeah, had to be. And the gnome is going to have like you know, a hundred character name, so it's going to be shortened. Oh yeah, for sure. They typically go by like Dak or Sim or something like that. So maybe you just have a name like maybe they're just called Dax. You know, you just yeah, got a bunch like of Dax. Yeah. You know, I I was, I was being chased by a Dak here. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we got we got vehicles. Do we want to? We, we I don't think we need to get super 
in the in the paint about you know how this thing actually works but how does it work is it just literally an engine like what's releasing it do they throw a gemstone in there uh gemstones do power stuff so that would make sense it's it's yeah. i don't mean they don't throw it there's a socket right 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 they socket it in oh maybe it's like maybe it's like fuel you know you've got like a gemstone that then you go to a station to refuel and you trade out, you swap out your gemstone with another one that's like full. Yeah, and like the more, you know, highfalutin folks with a lot of money probably have a resident wizard to enchant the gems again. Yeah, exactly. Or what would what, you even call them? Because they wouldn't be a wizard then. They'd probably be, they, I don't know. That's, I think that's part of it. Unfortunately, this is one that I don't think makes for good audio, but figuring out all of those lingo names. Yeah. I don't think that those are things I come uh, come up with off the top of my head very well. Yeah, so let's let's put a you know note there. But I think yeah. there's something else that we're overlooking that's fucking huge in cyberpunk. Laid on me, which is also not super huge in fantasy. Guns. Yeah, I would say that's kind of an important part of cyberpunk. I would agree with. You. <laughs> <laughs> right cyberpunk is also basically just gun porn now i would say and it's not just gun like yes gun porn because it's all about like modifications like what are you doing to it you've got you name your gun it's a you know it's your trusty sidearm that's been with you since forever right and it's and fucking they right they cust not just they customize it but they make it look right it's a part of their look yes what guns they have looks are Maybe, dude, maybe we even just throw this down. I think that the body mods get to a point where even like painting certain sigils and things on your body, your entire body becomes a giant sigil. You know, you use a certain special type of crystalline dust, which I mean, we've talked about in the past when in our in our episode about books, which was let's see, I'm looking that up. That was uh, episode six. Man, that's a that's a one for the, the records. That was such a good episode. But like. You know, they even, like, lace that crystalline dust into them, and so they have, like, an entire tat that goes across their whole body that allows them to do something special. And so, okay, so so maybe, and you know, maybe you even have things in your hands that allow, like, your gun to work with just your hand. But I think that they are just straight-up guns. Like, there's definitely stuff that runs on magic, runs on mana and those are like your blaster pistols magic, yeah you have like laser, laser pistols plasma rifles that sort of thing the equivalent of that but it's basically like spell casting through a repeatable firearm but i think yeah. that you also have just straight up munitions i think that I, I i'm i'm okay with bringing that in because you can still get renaissance fantasy for sure you know yeah but i mean we, yeah it's just we're we talking about like ak-47 or we got like flintlock? well and that's the thing i think it might be i'm thinking flintlock I'm thinking gunpowder, you know, air of black powder. <laughs> Blunderbuss in <laughs> I here. I think the magic carries it to that level. Like, maybe you enchant the barrel so that the bullet curves ever so slightly as it's being fired out, or the ball, because they might be ball bearings. Yeah. You, know, you might not get, like, uh, the, the, the spin on the bullet, but you have the magic trues it somehow. I mean, and remember, we can always just invent a magic mineral that was discovered that... When added to black powder, makes it... Flying a vector? A little bit more effective. Yeah, or, I mean, just, right, makes it somehow, like, basically adding the crystal stuff to black powder make it enchantable in this True. way. True, yeah. So, okay, but, like... So maybe you have, like, acid yeah, bullets I because think, of that. I think I do want to say that we can or get something. up to semi-automatic, though. I think there's a way to make that still fantasy. 
I mean, obviously there is because like Shadowrun is fantasy, you know, it's sci- science fantasy. Well, well, the thing is, that, right, sci-fi is a true genre of yeah, fantasy. Yeah, it's, it's... So all of sci-fi is fantasy, but not all fantasy is sci-fi. Is that how that works? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so definitely fucking guns. Like, man, I can't believe I totally missed that. But so how do we get to semi-automatic? <sighs> I'm not sure. I mean, think, I mean, think about how gun wor- guns work now, right? You've got... I don't even know how guns work <laughs> Um, I, I, the one I know best is a revolver, right? Simple. Sure. You've got yeah. a rotating chamber. Yep. Each bullet, right, has its propellant in it. Right. The little right? The all the gun does powder is, in it. It just hits the hammer on it. It just hits the hammer. Causes it to and ignite. It ignites. Fires yep. out. and then it rotates. Yep. And then it and then it just rotates. So all of that stuff is actually pretty easy. I I can easily think of. I just love the idea of somebody pulling out like having a whole setup where they've got cartridges that are up their sleeve and they have some sort of contraption where like as it reloads it's you know they 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 empty the chamber and then they like flick their wrist or do this like cool like you know motion with their hand and like a new cartridge uh, goes up into it or they're enchanted so they just bring it close to their their trench coat and you know almost (laughs) as if but magnetically the enchantment allows the two to lock on and they just bring their hand back up and they're like ready to fire again yeah makes sense yeah and And so maybe maybe we have like giant revolvers the size of rifles right Right, like rifle revolvers yes especially because this is right around i mean i think this is probably one of the first times where true standardization is present so you have you know, I mean, when you think about the cotton gin, the reason why that was so valuable to, you know, why people always talk about that, it wasn't just the cotton gin. It was the idea of standardization. Eli Whitney, was that the guy? Eli Whitting? Uh, I think Whitting. I think Whit- it Whit- Whitney sounds more. Well, whatever it was, it wasn't just that he created the cotton gin. It was the fact that he, cre- he created the concept of standardization so that all of an army regardless of where you went you could go to a blacksmith and they had the same specs for bullets that another person did so that your like musket balls or whatever you're using were the same across every gun so that every gun could be made efficiently in the same way because before then it was just this person made them this size and this way and this other person made them this size and this way and they're slightly different from each other and you couldn't just carry one munition over to another and so i think Here's an idea. Yeah, go for it. It's possible that maybe it's a special type of alloy of metal or like special type of stone that like reacts to vibrations in a certain way that when you strike it right with a lot of force, Mm -hmm. it is propelled like incredibly quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there is. So the thing is, I think I still want just good old gunpowder. I think gunpowder. I think that it will exist in there. But I don't think that that necessarily cuts those other things out. I think that it's almost like maybe gunpowder only represents the first 15 or 20 years of activity in the city because it rapidly gets outpaced by other people well, innovating. On yeah, it. I think basically if we want to go full cyberpunk, what you've got here, right, with our little fantasy as well, is we can a- actually throw in right, rail guns with this idea. Oh, right? absolutely. Something like uh, some sort of special metal or alloy or rock that would react in this way, right? Not requiring an explosion. Right, yeah. The, be- the ability to, I mean, think again, like you got those crystals, you know, the same thing that 
Oh, dude, people create. Well, this is where I was going with that. So there is standardization, but this is the dawn of standardization. And so it's also the sunset or the transitory period in which bespoke creations are starting to die out. So you have people who are, you know, you got you got the you got some people who are like the frontiers where it's at. You know, you got to be on the bleeding edge in this in this city or you die, man. And standardization, that is the bleeding edge. They are making advancements like you can't make anywhere else. But then there's other people who are like, man, I've been using this gun made by this one legendary smith for the last 10 years and ain't nothing that nobody can make ever going to outstrip what this thing can do. And so you get like culture of the two playing against each other. And I just thought of this idea of imagine somebody jerry-rigging together like a rail gun or something that works on like pulse blasts, essentially, you know, arcane missiles, but, you know, they work in a straight line or whatever and create basically a laser uh, but it's it's something that r- they have jerry-rigged to run on the same crystals, the f- same cells. You know, maybe we just call them cells, like fuel cells. The same cells that people stick in their in their <laughs> dacks or whatever we were calling them. <laughs> you stick that in your dack. Yeah, and so like somebody is literally like using an entire car battery every time that they fire their gun, and so it costs a ton of money, but they can do damage like nobody else. Well, yeah, it's like if it's like an arcane bazooka at that point. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, or railgun, like you were saying. I mean, I mean, railguns can be handheld. Can be basically pistols that you know have no recoil and all this stuff. Oh, you mean railgun in the conventional sense? You don't mean in like the video game way of like a laser. You mean literally like using electromagnetism to fire a, a, a well, bullet? No, I mean railgun as in something a, a weapon that can be small can be large that is doesn't have an explosion and can write it could be magnetism electromagnetism but it could also be something uh, some other fantasy bullshit sure but what i'm not i'm not saying like the railguns we currently are working on we as in the united states military i don't know why i did that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know the, the royal like, fucking that always... shoot over like five miles no <laughs> right yeah no not not the same thing yeah oh man i think we might just need to do a microscope about this. We might have to. And I mean, it's, you know, it's been a we're while. getting up there. Yeah. But I mean, we don't have much time left. What, is there anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, or? I don't know. I feel like, how do we end this episode? I feel like we don't really have an end cap on this. We've just presented a lot of ideas, which is what we typically do, but we typically start with a much stronger base than this. I think... Because this is just us opening the door on and a, ho- a whole new... I mean, we could run an eight-episode series on this, you know? Yeah, I think this is what we do. I think behind closed doors, we work on a little bit more and come back when we think we can, you know, say some more stuff, but also, like, you know, we have more stuff to work with, right? we got names sure. in place. We've got more cement ideas. Maybe we got a few characters. Totally. And maybe we do that as, like, a celebratory thing if, like cyberpunk releases something or if it gets you know, released as a game. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so funny that this just came up because of that that gameplay but it really inspired me i'd been hearing about it since e3 i kept on hearing podcasts and people talking about how amazing it was and like oh my gosh they're just like they've captured a city like nobody's done in a video game before and it actually feels like a real city there's so many people on the streets they all have their own lives and da, 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 da. you know but more than just the tech advancements like they're like they just did cyberpunk so good yeah and i mean let's give props to cd project red oh yes holy crap by the way yeah made by cd project red the guys who uh, did the witcher they are magic. They are just an incredible and some of the luminaries. We are talking in the world of video games today. Just to be fully clear, we are talking about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, 
by CD Projekt Red. I'll drop a That's link kind of in, the, in the description if you're truly curious. Yeah, and it's like, you know about it probably. It looks really cool. This is what inspired this podcast episode. Not yeah. the entire <laughs> Yeah, this entire podcast was inspired by CD Projekt Red. Specifically, Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, so, I mean, we could definitely look to The Witcher for some inspiration. True, I really need to play those games. I have, I own the first one. I'm one of those assholes who's insisting that he has to play through all three of the games. Oh, God. Don't do don't, it. Don't do I've it. I've been told that the first two are just... The first one especially is terrible. The second one's okay, but the third one is like, you know, a masterpiece in gaming. I'm like, well, I would, it'll be fun to play that in four years when I get through the other two. Hey, I'd be... I'd go far as, so far as to say the second one is a good game. The okay. first one I tried to play. I couldn't do it. Um... But I did give it a go, and I couldn't do it. The third one is an incredible, incredible game. All right, well, I'll just have to try that out. Well, yeah. uh, folks, hopefully you weren't too disappointed. I, I think today was really a buffet. We got a lot of ideas. I think the main thing that I'm interested in is the fact that it is possible. And I can't believe I had never really considered it before. And I, I can't think of a great example of somebody trying to capture this. Obviously, there are examples of people fusing fantasy and cyberpunk, you know, Shadowrun is an entire empire, an entire, you know, genre almost of, of you know, fantasy that does exactly this, but still with the premise that it takes place in a world where the internet exists. And we're talking about you know, a situation where it, that's not the case. You know, we're talking, we're still talking, you know, outside of the city, people are still running around on horses and, you know, pushing carts and stuff. Maybe there's a couple of cities like this. Maybe there's like two or three artifacts that when they were all recovered, you know, caused this to happen in a few cities and those cities kind of like compete against each other. I kind of was playing with that idea too, but that would be cool. Well, before we finish up for today, was there, what, what of the cornucopia of ideas do you really want to pursue the most Carter? I I think we need to look more into this gun situation (laughs) because I feel like if it was, you know, if it's just, this kind of like flintlock stuff. And if it's mm-hmm. just kind of this like revolver idea, there needs to be more yeah, because yeah. cyberpunk is all about crazy guns and big guns and cool looking guns. So definitely it's very important. I think for me, the the main thing is, is getting a better concept of the timeline and some of the foundations of this stuff. Like what was the event? What implications did it have for the city? You know, yeah, let's say it, it triggered the lace and caused that to happen. Maybe fleshing out a little bit more of what that was. Or for instance, what are some of these companies? What is, you know, getting getting the really, really macro, the biggest level uh, stuff kind of more nailed down, I think will be really helpful. I agree. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this exploration into the lands of Sadar and cyberpunk and the realms beyond and perhaps found some good material to add to your own stories. You can reach us at the Lorekeepers on Twitter. Email us at lorekeeperspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts like Spotify. If you like us, please give us a five-star rating. It helps us a lot. It shows us that you care about us, and we all care about you already. We like knowing that you you love us. We do. It gives us big, big heart, big love. Yes. Even better, spread the word. Tell your mom, tell your dad. Tell CD Projekt Red, send them an email about us. <laughs> uh, tell CD Projekt Red, tell 
uh, Geralt about us too. If you can get if, get a hold of him, Geralt of Rivia, Yennefer of Vendingerberg, uh, his horse deal. Roach. Yes, whichever one that is, because all of his horses are named Roach. Oh, really? Yes, man, I really. And need he to names play all games. of his horses Roach. God, what an asshole! I love it. Yep. Uh, thanks to Josh Silker for his composition of Land of Heroes, the Lord Keeper's theme. Oh, and a little quick update. Uh, so with all of these ideas that we've spread out, we're going to... So so this week we started by dropping a post onto Reddit that basically said, what did you think of the ideas that we brought up in the episode? Um, in the future, uh, we plan on doing this every week. So if, there's, if you're curious or you have something you want to say or want to share about the uh, episode... Uh, you can go to reddit.com slash r slash world building, which will also be a link in the podcast description. And um, check out the check out the thread. You know, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll just link right to that there, too. First of all, props to the world building community. They're fucking awesome. Uh, I love reddit.com slash world building. Uh, we hope to do quite a bit um, through that as a potential place for for these discussions. We want to hear your ideas. We want to hear what you specifically want to see out of the next episode and where you want us to investigate um, for whenever the next time we reconvene and talk about this unnamed cyberpunk city and also a name for that. Anyways, uh, thanks to you all for listening. And until next time, don't forget, there are always more tales to tell. Bye, everybody. Bye.